What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, here to recap a uh, another wild weekend uh, of college lacrosse. And, and this weekend was especially wild, I, I want to say. Um, and I'll go with these, these two games. First to you, uh, 22-6 Notre Dame over Syracuse. I thought Notre Dame was going to get this win um, because of their defense. And look, did, I, it, it, did it end up being, you know, a blowout? Yeah. Did I think it was going to be a blowout? No. Uh, but it was. You're up 15-3 to heading into the half. Uh, the 7-3 second half showing. You get the 22-6 to win. Um, look, Jake Taylor – uh, program best eight goal performance from Notre Dame, and uh, you know Pat Cavanaugh nine points, three goals, six assists. Uh, William Intamin thirteen saves. He didn't even play the whole game. Look, um, and, and really Syracuse, I thought in this one, and I only watched the first quarter of this one, but they made a lot of mistakes there. You had three faceoff violations uh, from Jacob Fop, and they were just never able to get any. Uh, opportunities, never able to get, you know, those plays that you can make to to, to build momentum, to get yourself back into a game. And and they were just never able uh, to make that, uh, to make those plays. Tucker Dordovic has two goals. And this one really, really uh, a pathetic showing uh, from Syracuse. I mean, you can't call it anything, anything but that. And again, I came into this game thinking, you know, Notre Dame's going to get the win. I, I had no doubts about that, but um, did not see a blowout win of this magnitude coming. Um, down in Chapel Hill, we also had a blowout there as Duke takes care of North Carolina 15-6. to Be honest, I didn't watch this one. Um, I, 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 I flipped off. The Syracuse Notre Dame game flipped on this one for like five minutes, um, and you know it was I can't remember what it was at the time. It was like six to one or something like that, and um, yeah, not not a good day for Carolina. Uh, Duke has a bounce back game. They Brennan O'Neill uh, seven goals on the day. He played very well. Uh, five points, uh, two assists, three goals, or two goals and three assists. Joe Robertson uh, also there. So another good showing there. Well, a bounce-back showing, I should say, uh, for Duke. Looks like they've kind of, you know, maybe made a statement of, hey, what happened to Syracuse? That's not who we are. Um, You know, what's happened at Towson and Loyola? That's not who we are. Uh, They finally play a game where they don't, you know, they don't go off just once their backs are against the wall. Um. A game here that I still need to watch the full um, the full game of uh, Jacksonville and High Point. Uh, so Jacksonville gets a big SoCon matchup, uh, SoCon win, fourteen to thirteen over High Point, uh, and look really a, a big second quarter effort here from the Dolphins. They outscore the Panthers six to one. Uh, to take that eight to five lead heading into uh, the intermission, 
Uh, three of those second quarters, go- second quarter goals. Ethan Lam- Ethan Lamond. He ends with five on the day. Has a phenomenal performance from him there. And this was a wild game. You had a lightning delay, uh, which was about what thirty minutes, and they're, they're back on the field getting ready to start again. And you have another lightning delay. So, uh, and th- that lightning delay, the first one, there was like. Uh, like I want to say, like just over or, or just under five minutes to play in the game, um, and so really a, a a big interruption there. Um, but both teams come back out, and uh, you see some see some goals being traded uh, between the two. Um, and look, high point they're able to pull within one. It's a fourteen thirteen game with two sixteen left. Really, you get that chipping penalty on Blade Maia, which really that that was the only um, really big opportunity, big possession that they could have had to capitalize on. Get that triple chipping penalty uh, that puts them down, and, and really you don't have anything else uh, in the tank. They're unable to get a shot off in the final two. After that goal to bring it within one, you're unable to get anything to go there late in the game. Um, I believe there was something like 20-plus penalties in this game. It was a a, a wild game all around, really. Uh, and, again, I go, need to go watch the first half of this one, but uh, a really – the full first half, I pulled up like late in the second, but um, really a, a back-and-forth battle between these two teams, just like what we would have – expected. Um, and, and look, for Jacksonville, you saw multiple guys step up. Lamond uh, has five. You also had Jeremy Winston with four goals. So those two guys who are really um, I, not the – you see Wal, uh, you see Waldbaum and you see uh, Griner, or Granger and those are kind of the two guys that that have been there for the the majority of the season, um, and, and neither of those guys really stepped up a ton as the high point defense. I thought did a good job on those guys, uh, but it's Lamond, it's Winston that step up, who were, I believe the fourth and fifth leading point getters coming into the day. Um, there and they combined for nine. Uh, Luke Milken had a good day in cage with eight saves to anchor that Dolphins defense. Um, Asher Nolting on, on the high point side, uh, Jack uh, Vanoboki and Braden Maia, each with three uh, points on the day to lead the way for the Panthers. I uh, see Jacksonville get the advantage at the uh, faceoff dot there. So, I mean, I mean this, is, this is a – this back and forth pretty even game probably uh, or, or likely could be the uh, could be the uh, a preview of the um, socon title game uh, if Richmond doesn't have anything to say about it and uh, they just might uh, you know said I've said on here before, um, I think Richmond's a really good team. I picked them to win the SoCon because I think that's they've just they, they have that echelon now with them. They have that 
that they have that status with them now that, that you just kind of expect them to be there. Um, but through the first half of this season, uh, Richmond, I, I thought they were going to, I still think they're going to do really good in the SOCON, but in terms of Richmond against ACCs and against some tougher competition, um, it, it wasn't as good as they had been in the past. I think a lot of that is due to uh, the, the amount of younger guys and, and new faces that having to implement into that offense, onto that defense as well. Um, they showed exactly on Saturday, look, we can play. And uh, look, they take down, they take down Virginia, 17 to 13. Um, and, and, and really, I, I watched the second half of this one defensive performance here really big defensive performance from Richmond and I've talked about this Richmond defense and how I've been impressed with them uh Zach uh and I'm gonna uh butcher this name uh Vagu believe how you pronounce it um you know he has played the past gosh is it three or five games for them um, now, I think it's five games now that he's been the starter. He played phenomenal in this one. Uh, brick wall, if there ever was one. Uh, 17 saves in cage uh, to really carry the Spiders through the finish line. Had seven saves in the fourth period alone uh, to hold the Cavaliers to just one goal in that final stanza. Uh, and that allows Richmond to build upon uh, and own that four goal upset victory. Dalton Young, Ryan Lanchberry, uh, you know, spark plugs on the offense. Young has seven points, four goals, three assists. Lanchberry has five points off four goals and three assists. And look, you know, Young, his first two goals came in the first quarter of play. You see Virginia get that lead, and you know, Young, two of his there. Helped cut the Cavaliers' lead to seven to four uh, to end that opening frame, and then you know his third of the day comes though in the Spiders, and, and really this was uh, a, a game-changing run here that really shifted the tide towards the Spiders. Seven-goal run that lasts from early in the second through early in the third helps Richmond you know pull ahead twelve to nine. During that time is really when you see this defense start to step up. Um, through that run, and, and, and that seven-goal run right there, you know, it, it, for, for my opinion, changes the, the game and switches switches the momentum fully to Richmond, and they're able to ride that out through the second half, um, through the rest of the second half there, I should say, and, and, and the defense really leading the way to get that win. Uh, you know, Lanchberry, Back-to-back goals during that run. Uh, his first of the day with one second left in the half. And then he has the final goal of that run uh, there as well. Um, I mean, second to final goal of that run as well. Um, and, and look, uh, Lanchberry, his first goal of the day, um, you know, after that first goal of the day, which, you know, gave them the lead 10-9, to they never trail again. Richmond never trails again after that. After they get up with that Lanchbury goal, 
Richmond never trails again as they ride that wave through the end there. For Virginia, look, I mean, I mean, they were so. So I should mention, uh, P.D. Lasala uh, comes out in this game as well as Matt Moore. Uh, so both of those guys came out. Lasala was nine for ten at the faceoff dot. Uh, he goes out with an injury. Uh, Gable Braun comes in there, goes eleven for twenty-three, so not bad at all. Um, Matt Moore he leaves this game as well. Um, so they're down to the guys. I think they both. I need. I should have written this down, but I think they both left uh, in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there, um, I don't have the box score pulled up here, and I did not write that down. But a lot of other stuff down. Should have written that down. Uh, but they both leave the game in this one, and I think that's a huge factor in this. I think if both those guys are in there, Virginia is going to be able. Uh, to, to, to get that momentum back, uh, even if Richmond still does go on that big run uh, and, and capitalize on that, Virginia with Lasala there at the faceoff dot and with more what he can do there and providing another option, another high quality option on offense, I think they were going to be able to pull back in this one, uh, pull back in this one if they have both of those guys there. Um, you know, Peyton Cormier played played well. Um, you know, and, and, and look, Virginia, they went 60% of the dot, even with Lasala out for most of the game. So it's not like they were doing bad in that area. Um, and they were able to get some opportunities. Peyton Cormier uh, twice cut the Richmond lead to two in the second quarter, as did Xander Dixon. Uh, they were never able to stack goals like they did in the first half. They stacked a couple of goals, and that helped them get up early. In, this, in the first half of play. And really, when you try to come back in a game, you've got to stack goals. And Virginia, unable to do that as, as the Richmond defense and Vigou stepping in there uh, and just being a, a brick wall uh, there for the Richmond defense. And they hold Virginia. They own the 17-13 to 13 win. Um, upset of the year? I think I would say, uh, unless someone beats Maryland, I, I think you got to say that's the upset of the year at this point. Last game, oh, we'll stay on the SoCon real quick. Uh, it was a big day for the SoCon. I mentioned Jacksonville High Point, Richmond over Virginia. Clap it up, folks. Clap it up. Uh, Coach Papoa and the VMI cadets knock off Moso. And th- this is. VMI's first SOCON win. They joined in 2015 with the league's inception. This is their first conference win since 2014 uh, when I believe they went one and like three or something, whatever, uh, one and uh, four, I believe it was there in 2014. Let's pull this up here. Uh, it's when they beat Richmond. Yeah, one and four. Uh, they upset Richmond in double overtime in that final game of the season there in Lexington. And and that's the last conference win that they had until 2022 when they welcome in Mosa for their SoCon opener. And they beat them 13 to 10. Um, really, really big win for the cadets. And look, it, it's possible now that we see the cadets uh, going to the SOCON tournament. 
and, and this is going to be the last SOCON uh, season. I haven't mentioned expansion, a uh, conference expansion yet, uh, or realignment, I should say. But uh, the, the, the Atlantic 10 is adding. I think we mentioned that on here, uh, waiting for UMass, I think, to give the okay to make the announcement. They don't want to get Stony Brook, uh, which I can understand. And we'll talk about UMass here in a second and what they did on Saturday. Another game I need to go back and watch on this Sunday afternoon. Um, big one for them. But VMI, they're moving back to the MAC uh, from what all the ports show at this moment. They were in the MAC before they were in the ASUN and then the SOCON. Um, so VMI moving back to the MAC, and, and they could end, end the SOCON with a SOCON tournament bid. Um, and I think this is just another – But because, look, I, I think they're going to beat Hampton. They beat them early on this season, uh, late game run in that one. Uh, so we'll see how they do there. But looks like they're going to beat Hampton uh, by all intensive focuses. Um, you know, I, I you know, do they beat High Point in Jacksonville and Richmond? I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. But um, you beat Mosa. And, you know, mostly I think we talked about on, what was that, a few weeks ago, how they've been mission, missing Ashton Wood for about a month now. And that's really hurt them there at the face-off dot without him being in there. Um, and, like, this, they still have some great players. Sean Goldsmith had six points in this one. Uh, I think he broke, he got his 100th point, uh, 100th goal. I believe it was um, on Saturday in the win. Um, and, and really, you know, VMI defensively steps up. Jack Waselli, uh, the uh, the sophomore, I was going to say freshman, the sophomore there has 17 saves in the game to lead the way there. Uh, or 19 saves, excuse me. You have Josh Bass with six points, uh, four goals, two assists to lead the way offensively for the cadets. Uh, Alex Baber with three ground balls, three cause turnovers. A really good defensive performance there from VMI. And and, and really, when you look at it, uh, two of those goals came in the last 131 of the game. So, I mean, this was a 13-8 a, a game with 316 left. Uh, following that, you had this three-goal run. Uh, really, you know, VMI gets hot. Uh, down the stretch, the down uh, up seven to six. Early in the uh, the fourth period, they they get hot. Uh, they go on a six one run uh, within the first or six two run, I should say, within the first you know fifteen twelve minutes of the of the fourth period, um, and before Mosa kind of settles in and, and gets some things going. Uh, so a big one there for VMI. Unfortunately, like every other VMI home game, was not streamed, so we did not get to see it. Uh, but good one there for them. Um, another instance where, and I said we'll talk about some other games here in a second, um, a, another big win for a team that hasn't had a conference win in a while is the Siena Saints. Uh, 21 save performance from Chris uh, Yankowis. They beat Monmouth. Monmouth, mind you, 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Uh, that is their first uh, MAC win since 2019. Good one there for the Saints and Liam Gleason, 
his program, um, was able to tune in for like the final 10 minutes of, yeah, 10 minutes of that one on the phone uh, while I was at another game. And, and that one, uh, Chris Yanku has, has been a, a guy all season long that's been lights out and, and does it again here uh, for the Saints as they get the big win over Monmouth. And that's a Monmouth team that will be they're traveling to St. Bonaventure next week and what many thought would, would, would be kind of a battle between two of the top teams in the MAC. Um, and look, the the MAC, it's a, it's a little wacky as usual. It is a, a conference where expect the unexpected, and, and that's exactly what we're seeing here through the first couple of weeks. A few other games to mention here before we get to what I would call the game of the day, uh, Dartmouth and Cornell. Um, I watched this one this morning, and uh, Cornell escapes Dartmouth 8-7. to seven. Uh, A surprising result there for many, including myself here. Uh, you know, Billy Coyle with the goal with 3.08 left in the contest to seal the deal. Um, this really turned into a defensive uh, kind of slugfest here. Um, as you know, Peter, you have Dartmouth. They go, Cornell goes on a 6 1 run from late in the first through early in the fourth. Uh, so Dartmouth only gets one there, I believe it was in the second. And that pulls Cornell ahead 7 to 5, and, and it's still in the 7 to 5. It's a lead, it's not a big lead. Um, you know, Dartmouth, you know, they sprinted ahead 4 1 earlier in this game, getting a lot of good looks on Cage and capitalizing on those. Uh, they, they can't really do anything here. Uh, Tommy Rogan ends the scoring drought, and then Peter Lapina uh, follows up with one of his own, knots things up at seven uh, with 6.23 left. Uh, Dartmouth only able to get two shots off in those final six minutes of the game. Both stopped by Chase Irwin, gives, gives him eight saves on the day um, to, to secure the big red victory. Um, and as I said, Billy Coyle, Eight left, puts in his uh, third, his second goal of the game. Uh, he ends with three points, uh, had one assist as well. John Piatelli, same stat line for him there. Um, Rogan with three goals, one assist for Dartmouth. George Prince, one goal and two assists as well for Dartmouth. Um, and look, Dartmouth did a good job at the faceoff dot. Mitchell Myers, 10 for 16 there. And uh, Daniel Hanks with 16 saves. Um, and as I said early on, they were able to get good looks, get good opportunities, and they capitalized. However, the same thing that has plagued Dartmouth really all season is, you know, Cornell was able to capitalize on, and that is 19 turnovers. And they the, the Cornell ride, uh, the 10-man ride, looked really good in this one uh, as Cornell holds Dartmouth to 19 for 24 in the clearing game, uh, those two spots there, and I look up Dartmouth, 19 turnovers, how many of those, I did not write down, how many of those were caused uh, by the Cornell defense? Because as I mentioned, this was what well, was kind of a defensive slugfest. Yeah, 11 of those caused by the Cornell defense. Um, and then you look at t- 15 turnovers for uh, for for Cornell, uh, two caused by the 
uh, Dartmouth defense. So Cornell, uh, especially during that middle portion of the game, able to get what they wanted, able to capitalize on those opportunities, and in a big part because of uh, the success they had on the ride uh, and their defense overall, getting those turnovers or forcing those turnovers. Want to mention two that I've not, uh, actually three I've not been able to watch here. Utah knocks off Air Force 10 to 8. I saw the ending of this one. Uh, good one there for Utah. Uh, those two top teams expected, at least for me, I expect both those teams to be uh, there in uh, Huntsville at the uh, Birmingham. No, Huntsville. Uh, down in Huntsville at the ASUN tournament this spring, uh, this May. Uh, Harvard escapes uh, Colgate, excuse me, seven to six. Uh, Kyle Mullen with another game-saving uh, stop there in cage. Uh, you know, again, I I think that's a little worrisome, but you know, Colgate Colgate is a a, a a tough team, so I'm not gonna like I, I don't think Colgate's necessarily on the same level as Harvard, but so that's a little worrisome, but you know. Could have been a trap game. I don't know. Uh, Army skimmed past Bucknell 10 to 9. I believe uh, Brendan Nickton get, uh, was it his 100th or 200th goal or something like that? Um, every game he's breaking some uh, record or hitting some milestone this season. Uh, really, really a fun player to watch. Um, and I'm actually going to go watch that one after we get done recording this. Uh, big one there for Army as they skim past Bucknell. And, I, you know, I, I said it before. I don't know if this Army team is as good as people think they are. Um, yeah, they're good. I think they're, they're definitely going to be in the mix there in the Patriot League uh, in the tournament. But but I don't know if they're necessarily as good or as deep as some people think they are. I think defensively they've done a great job um, given uh, w- without the top defensemen there. But, uh, and obviously with Schuppler and Cage, he had 11 saves in this one. So uh, we'll see how they do. Uh, Shane Brennan, 16 saves uh, as Towson gets the 13-12 to win over Drexel. Huge win there for Towson um, as they're looking to kind of bounce back this season after two, uh, really th- uh, yeah, two uh, horrific seasons after that uh, really good 2019, uh, 2019 team. Uh, Alex Slusher has a sock trick to lead Princeton past Brown. 17 to 9. Brown, I don't Brown, I, I think is kind of out of it when, when, when you look at the Ivy tournament right now. They dropped 0 and 2. Dartmouth's 0 and 2. I think those are the two teams. They're good. They've shown a lot of a lot of promise, but uh, in league play have not been able to get it done thus far. Um, and then Timmy Lay, nine points in Boston use 17 to 9 win over Navy. They are the best team in the Patriot League. Now let's move to what was the game of the week. I said it on the preview show. It turns out to be true. Penn, 12, oh, Penn, Yale. Yale beats Penn 12-7 to in overtime. Uh, another Penn-Yale thriller. Absolutely. This one was not going to go any other way. Uh, Chris Lyons isolated up top, or I guess on the high wing, as it, on a short stick, takes advantage, rolls back, gets his hands free, 
puts in the game winner right past Birkenshaw um, to get the overtime winner here for the Bulldogs. And look, my main takeaway from this one is that Yale is the best team in the Ivy League. I don't think there's any question about that anymore. I said earlier this season, I thought Yale had the highest ceiling. There's a lot of things they need to improve on. There's a lot of guys that need to get some experience. They came in the season with about 20-plus guys that didn't have much experience. And uh seems they've gotten that thus far. Uh, you know, Chris Lyons was making, it was his first or second start there uh, for the Bulldogs. Uh, and he puts in the game winner, right? Um, we, we, we saw Matt Brandau play well as usual. Um, in this one, he had three points, uh, a quiet night there for him, one goal, two assists, but still played well, I thought, especially in that first half. Uh, Leo Johnson, Brad Sharp, Chris Lyons, Johnny Kybe, uh, who made, I believe it was his, uh, let's look up here, yeah, his first start as well. I mean, so, so you, you're seeing a lot of different players step up. Chris Lyons, three goals, one assist to lead the way. Uh, Brad Sharp, two goals, one assist. Um, and, and I thought this defense, Chris Fake, four ground balls, four cars turnovers, played fantastic. Um, really able to hold that pen offense, especially uh, down the stretch. And, and look, this is a Yale team that was stifled in the fourth quarter um, as Penn outscores them 2 nothing and and the Penn defense and Birkenshaw played fantastic. And, and to end regulation, Cam Rubin gets the game winner of the uh, overtime-forcing goal, um, but they can't keep it going there in overtime. And Yale uh, gets the victory in this one. And really, you look at a number of plays. Um, hustle plays, it seemed like Yale was always winning those. Um, even... If like the the ride didn't necessarily uh, wasn't necessarily as effective as maybe some thought it could be twenty two for twenty four, okay you you made a miss two that's not really that bad Yale goes twenty two for twenty five in the clear as well so pretty even there pretty even in the ground ball situation pretty even at the face off dot with Ramsey uh, getting the win there get fourteen wins. Uh, there, yeah, 14 wins there um, at the faceoff dot to uh, Zuzi uh, goes 10 for 23 there, uh, Ramsey 14 for 25. So not a big difference. Ramsey does get the win. Uh, I believe, what is that, 50, 52%, I believe it is, because I know Ramsey went 47. So not that big of a difference. You see Parquette get 12 saves, Birkenshaw get 14 Really, really an even game, uh, but but here's the, here's the thing: twenty-one pen turnovers, twenty-one, um, and that's where a lot of those you, you talk about the hustle plays, you talk about those little plays that end up adding up and matter, and and that's kind of where where, where Penn lost the game, and and that's where Yale won the game. They played a cleaner game, especially, um, and, and Penn did clean it up a lot down the stretch, but. You see, um, and Penn did have eight turnovers in that third quarter, but uh, or in the fourth quarter, excuse me. Um, so really, that second half, but 
later on, you see Penn kind of clean it up. Um, and, and, and Yale kind of played a cleaner game throughout. Didn't have to really, you know, scramble and get things back together as Penn did in certain situations. And look, I, I think that that's a testament to not only how talented this, this Yale team is, but just the growth that they've seen. And we talked last week after Penn beat Cornell of how much growth they showed in that game, outground bowling uh, Cornell in the first half, doing much better in the clear. Um, and they did uh, do good in those areas today, but or on Saturday, I should say. But overall, when you talk about dropping in, dropping balls, when you talk about you know getting getting out hustled um, on, on the end line or, or whatever it may be, you had a couple errant passes there uh, in transition that to turn things over. You know, you get the clear, you throw a pass over a guy's head, and it, you know, those little plays. Uh, at the end of the day, they add up, and th- those can be, uh, those really can be the uh, deciding factors in uh, in those games. And look, um, you had Yale to get the opening possession. Andy Shea calls a timeout. Please, can we get that rule changed? No freaking timeouts in overtime, just like the PLL. I'll go on it on all day, um, but you know. You have the turnover by, by Sam Hanley. Um, they're late in the game. They could have had an opportunity with, you know, they get the, the, the Piper Bond gets the ground ball. They clear it with 125 left. Uh, couldn't set anything up there. Um, and m- many, many different situations like that. And I said, you know, Yale cleaned it up a bit later on in that fourth quarter, and they certainly did. But uh, those final two possessions, uh, were very reminiscent of some of those earlier possessions they had in the game. Uh, so Yale, you know, outlasting Penn in this one. And uh, I already can't wait for the rematch. I already can't wait for the rematch. Um, am, I, am, am I coming out here saying it's going to be Yale-Penn in the Ivy title game? No. I, I think there's a number of guys, a number of teams you could put <laughs> in the title game, uh, or predict to be in the title game. Uh, you know, Harvard is still 2-0 in conference play. Having beaten uh, Brown and uh, and Dartmouth, they've got a big one at Cornell, at Penn. They play Princeton at home, and they're at Yale to end conference play. Uh, Cornell is still looking good. Saturday wasn't their best performance, but they're still looking good. Princeton is still... Uh, looking exactly as they have all season, uh, like a much improved team, a team with depth finally, uh, which they haven't had in a while. Uh, the Ivy League is going to be interesting to see how things all all come out and how things all come together here uh, as we enter kind of the final stretch of the season here. Uh, but Saturday, a, a, a big, big win there uh, for Andy Shea and the Yale Bulldogs. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, you can connect with us on social media at LacrosseBucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.